This is episode 331 of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. This week on the show, we interviewed Alyssa Royce, owner of Rocket CrossFit and active advocate for equality and acceptance within the fitness world. She and her team at Rocket CrossFit work to create an emotionally safe atmosphere for anyone looking to get active and healthy, from banning weight-based goals and commentary about appearance to eliminating gender terms from their daily vocabulary. They're taking active steps to be inclusive and accepting. We met Alyssa at the 2019 CrossFit Games. She was speaking at an Outwat event, and her presence struck us immediately. Not only is she incredibly well-spoken, her passion for CrossFit and connecting to people is admirable and welcoming. She stands for what we stand for, and it might be safe to say she's our CrossFit auntie now. (laughs) We cover a lot of ground in this episode and uh, stick around at the end because we recorded a uh, additional voicemail that she left us kind of as an add on after some news came out regarding CrossFit and uh, the leadership of CrossFit. So we'll tag that on at the end. We can't wait for you to get to know Alyssa Royce. Okay, so yay, let's start with how we met slash how you were kind of forced to uh, be introduced to us with your (laughs) with your friend from your gym. Yeah, wasn't it Jen? Was it Jen? Oh, Jen. Okay, that's, yes, that's very funny. So Jen, yes, Jen is our head trainer and is apparently somewhat obsessed with you. Hi, Jen. And so she, yeah, she's like, you have to email them. You have to talk to them. You have to go on the show. But you guys had just been at our trans talk and at the Outwad at the game. So it seemed natural. Well, it was just so funny because, yeah, we went to that talk and we were involved in a lot of the events with Outwad. We just wanted to go to all of the events there. And then, of course, we saw you and I'm like, wow, she's amazing. And I loved everything <laughs> that you had to say, too, at the talk. And then it just so happened that you're she goes to your gym, right? Or is she your yeah, friend? Yeah, she's our head. Tra- she's our head trainer. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And um, didn't know that she was like a fun fan of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. So of course, then we made that connection. So um, I'm really excited to talk to you because I, I just know you have we could go a million different way- ways with our conversation. But I feel like we want to kind of focus a lot on the work that you've done, not only with Outwad, but with your CrossFit gym and just working on inclusion in CrossFit. So why don't you get started with where do you want to start? Like, What do you want our listeners to know about you really, really specifically? You know, I think I really want to talk about inclusivity in, you know, well, in the world in general, but but in fitness, but very specifically in CrossFit, because I think CrossFit has an opportunity that other sports don't have to be truly inclusive. Like there's not, in theory, anybody who can't do CrossFit. And that can't be said really about basketball or, or swimming or whatnot. So that really somewhat accidentally became my passion is how many people can we bring this to? So when you say accidentally, tell me what that was. Well, I didn't, you know, it's funny. My husband actually started Rocket. It wasn't me. Um, and at the time, he wasn't my husband. He was just this hot guy I found online. Love um, it. <laughs> yeah. No, like I was literally trying to get laid and I wound up owning a gym. I'm not sure. Like, I hate it oh, when that happens. I know. Something either went really right or really wrong. <laughs> but we're talking and I'm looking in these dreamy blue eyes and he's he'd been crossfitting for a while and he was opening a gym about a mile from my house, which is why I had saved his profile in the first place. And he was talking about this gym he was going to build and he was going to like create community and empower people and, you know, basically like running through wheat fields naked and singing Kumbaya. And I literally was sitting there looking at him thinking he is so hot and such a delusional hippie. Um, 
this cannot be real. Um, <laughs> but it totally is. Yeah. Like, like, you know, so he opens this gym and I start coming just as a member, not telling anybody that there's some little romance blooming. And I'm watching him do it. And sure enough, you have people of all shapes and sizes, all ages, all abilities, and everybody's helping each other and learning. And it was sort of, you know, it was like this utopian ideal of what I always wanted the world to look like. And it was shocking to me in the best possible way. And it really, so when I say I accidentally got into this, I like literally was just trying to get laid. And there we were. And now you own a CrossFit gym. <laughs> and now, now I own a CrossFit gym with him. Yeah. And it's, you know, the the inclusivity angle, like his his vision was always very, always very inclusive and very sort of save the worldy. Yeah. And I, you didn't, I don't think you got the chance to meet Brady, but Brady's the super sweet, gentle human being. And I'm this sort of- and that's your partner? Me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, to- I did meet him briefly. And I got that vibe from him immediately. I was like, oh, this dude is like just a sensitive soul. He is. Yeah. He's so, oh, he's so, he's so sweet. I don't yeah. think I've ever known anybody as sweet as him. But I'm largely the same way, but I have this really crusty, fighty exterior um, that Brady just doesn't have. So I was like, well, there's these people who aren't being included and who blah, blah, blah. So it really, yeah, I think what led to that moment at the games actually was when Chloe Johnson was banned from competing in the open. Right. Um, and I didn't know Chloe at the time. But Can it I just- stop you really quick before we yeah. go down that trail? Because I also totally. think it's really interesting. First of all, I just think you have, I've done a little bit of research on you. So sorry if I sound, <laughs> sound stalkery. But I know that you both were raised, your partner and you were both raised by gay parents. Is that correct? That is correct. Which is yeah. so like, what a coincidence. That's just, I mean, it's rare that that happens, first of all, but that you were partnered together and you both had that experience growing up. I think, and it shaped, well, so again, this is still the same first cup of coffee we had okay i always lay it out on the table I yeah. said, you know so dude my dad's gay uh-huh. if that's gonna be an issue for you i need you to tell me now and he says oh no no my mom's gay it's totally cool and i said oh so we're even and he's like no 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 i have two daughters with a lesbian couple and i was like okay you win and then he smiles <laughs> and he says and my sister's black <laughs> I was like, you so win. I'm out. That is but the, so funny. Oh, it was so funny. But the, the truth is, is that it, it did shape us yeah. because it's like, you know, both of us have always been around the queer world, but also we've always felt, however, you know, from a secondary level that we know what that oppression feels like. We know what that exclusion feels like. We know what that fear feels like. And we know how small that can make your world and that that's not okay. Yeah. And so, you know, Brady and I, even if it wasn't an explicit statement when we first started Rocket, it's always been who we are as people. So that just be- it began informing the evolution of Rocket and everything that we've done at Rocket. Right. So I bring that up too, just because I feel like you have such a unique you have so many unique perspectives on life, um, just as a human. And I just love meeting people like that. Because Claire and I are always kind of talking about how, you know, we can talk all day long about our experiences, but we have pretty limited voices in this space. So I feel like that's just something when I meet someone who's had a completely different experience from our upbringing or our experience, I'm like, that is just amazing, not to mention, and it's just, it's just helpful. And I think it helps so many people in these, these discussions are so important, we just can't cover it with our experiences. So I'm just very grateful for that. And then I also think that you having that car accident where you describe it as like almost dying, like you literally almost died. And now you're running a CrossFit gym. 
I mean, you just have all these like worldly views of on life that I feel like, <laughs> no, I truly believe that like yeah. we, you can't replace that by just someone saying like, oh, I, no. I can't imagine that would be so hard. Like, that's just got to be such a tough situation. Like you have been in those shoes. And I know just from the work I do in therapy with people is like, you can't really reach people unless you know how they're feeling. Yeah. I totally think my broken neck is one of my ninja yeah. skills as a trainer. Yeah. Somebody comes in, they're like, oh, I can't, my this and that hurts, or my this and that is broken. And I'm like, so I've got a broken neck. Yeah. I live in constant chronic pain. I got you. Yeah, like, so I so I got you. Yeah, there. and so I feel like yeah. when you can offer that to people that you've walked in their shoes and so many different experiences, that's just, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that, whether it's being a postpartum mother who's seeing another postpartum mother and they're like, I see you. I know exactly how you're feeling. Yeah. Like nothing replaces that kind of support. So I think that you being able to offer that in this space is just really cool. So then, um, yeah. so I just want to kind of, first of all, say I'm, I'm grateful for that, but then we can kind of parlay into the, <laughs> to the conversation about how you then delved into this discussion, especially with Chloe. Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it was so the, the Chloe thing came out of nowhere. So I at the the early stages of CrossFit, it was all very sort of cool lady to me and very kind of dude bro and locker room. And it's not that's not a place I feel comfortable. I was always that person who didn't want to be on the sports team. I got doctor's notes that I didn't have to take PE because all of that stuff made me really uncomfortable. So Rocket seemed like this really special place, but then the outside world still seemed very, whatever, discriminatory yeah. and about winning and about being the best and about all these things. And then when that article, I, I can't remember where I saw it first, but that Chloe wasn't being allowed to compete in the open. Mm -hmm. And that just felt like viscerally wrong to me on so many levels. And um, some of our listeners may not know the backstory of that. Sure. So would you mind just giving a quick summary? Yeah, no, it's super, like, so, so Chloe Johnson, who I did not know at the time, um, which was competing in the open on the team as part of a team. So it's sort of two men, two women. Um, and she had, she's transgender and she was basically outed by somebody at her gym to CrossFit. A letter was sent and they, she was then told that she could not compete in the open. Now, this is not somebody who's going to go to the games. She always laughs when she tells the story, like she wasn't going to win anything. She was just doing the open like we all do. And that not only was she told that she couldn't compete, she was basically then outed publicly having lived, you know, she was really living her life stealth. And that just, it just hit me wrong. Like it was a violation of everything that Rocket stood for. And granted, Rocket is not CrossFit, is not the CrossFit Games, but it still felt, it felt very personal to me in a way that I'm still not sure I can put into words. And so I wrote a blog post, which is probably still up online. I haven't looked at my blog in years. Basically saying, CrossFit, you're just wrong. You need to change. And I parsed out the language that they were using that was just, it was just wrong and evil and cruel. And I basically picked a huge fight with CrossFit. Now, my husband, who is super sweet, believes all the same things I do, was sort of like taken aback that I had done that. And the guy who was his partner in the gym at the time, I think, was also a little taken aback that I had picked this fight. Nobody was anything but supportive, but it was all like, what have you done? And that post went viral like really viral. Like I was getting emails from people. We were getting messages. It was kind of crazy. And then for some reason, I got a message from this guy at CrossFit HQ. And it took me a minute to figure out who he was, but it was from Brian. Do you guys know Brian? No. He's, no. no. So Brian runs, Brian runs CrossFit Health now. And it was really, it was actually a very sweet email. And he just said, hey, you know, Alyssa, I'm my name's Brian. Greg and I are going to be out in Seattle. Maybe we should talk. I was like, okay, cool. Long story short, we talked. Not a long talk, but, you know, a, sh a short talk that was very interesting. We agreed on almost nothing at the time, but I left feeling like these are really nice people. 
These are really pleasant people who are trying to understand. Um, and the last thing Greg said to me at that talk was he said, hey, never stop speaking your mind. And I sort of laughed to myself, like, I actually don't know how to not speak my mind. So, and then I didn't, I didn't hear from them for a while. Things sort of, you know, mold along. I kept picking my fight. They kept doing their things. And I didn't forget about it, but I sort of stopped talking to them until a few years later, out of whatever, there are all sorts of random connections. I met the guy who was about to be the new CEO at the time and had some really good talks with him about these issues. And he just got it on this just deep core level. And in my soul, he felt to me like he was as passionately committed to inclusivity as I was. And I was super happy. Like I just got real, I got this real sort of light feeling that CrossFit was actually going to go in the direction that I think they needed to go in, which is one of inclusivity. And not just about trans athletes, but about everybody, you know, age and shape and fitness level and everything. And I was like really, really happy. And so our conversations picked up and I, you know, talked to Jeff more, talked to Brian more. And everything's going really, really well. And I just, you know, I don't work for them. We're just friends at this point, having conversations about the shared passion of, of saving the world with CrossFit, essentially. And then I come home from the gym one morning. What was it? There's probably a date on the infamous tweet. But I came home from the gym one morning, I think maybe May or June, 8 a.m., pour myself a cup of coffee, log onto Twitter, and there's this tweet from Russ Berger talking about supporting a gym that was not going to support Pride. And it was basically the super homophobic tweet. And oh, I remember, yep. You remember that tweet? It was oh, terrible. Yeah. It was, it, it was, was horrible. Just, yeah. You no, know, it was just like a gut punch to everything that felt good in the world. And so, you know, basically I called up Jeff and again, I cannot overstate the goodness um, in Jeff's heart around these issues. And I called up Jeff and I was like, dude, he, this is, this is a mess. This can't happen. And needless to say, he agreed. Long story short, Russ was fired by the end of the day, which is exactly what should have happened. But then... <laughs> There was this sort of question of, well, what do we say as a brand? What do we what do we say? How do we address this? And I said, hey, let me write a tweet. I can do this. I can do this in a single tweet. And so I wrote that tweet, which I probably should have in front of me so I can read it for you, but I don't have it. You should have um, it framed. Yeah, seriously. It, it is actually, it's on the wall at the gym. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Because it's the first thing you see when you come when you come in the gym. So we wrote that t I wrote that tweet. And I have to say, like, and I, I said this at the time, and I would still say it, like, if I died tomorrow, that would be the thing I'm the most proud of is that tweet. And that CrossFit trusted me enough to just go with it. Because that was a really, really big step for them. Um, and I was, it's funny, I was talking to Brian at the games this year and, and he was telling somebody else about it. And he said, yeah, like she wrote this tweet. She put it to bed. Like it was against everything we thought we should do. And we did it and it was perfect. So that still feels like a really, like that was big. Uh, Cause CrossFit as a brand didn't, does need to change. It needs to, it's from a purely business perspective. However, after that uh, became the question of, oh, well, now that we wrote this tweet saying that no matter who you are, how you're built, who or how you love, you know, we're proud of you. CrossFit is for you. Well, then there's still this little issue of the fact that they were still banning trans athletes from competing. Right. So that became the next question real quick was, okay, well, what are you going to do about that? Mm -hmm. um, and there was, you know, I think, you know, Jeff was like, well, shit, we got to do some about that. And so then that sort of snowballed all of it that we made the announcement last year at the games with, that Greg announced that they were no longer going to ban trans athletes from competing. And that was a really, which is how I met Will. Cause after I, once I found out, once I found out they were going to do that, then I was like, okay, well now we have to find some organization that we're going to partner with and give money to. And like, you know, you got to suit action to word here. 
and then that brought us to basically where you and I met. Like then this yeah, year we're, we're at, so at games. And for everyone listening to, it's Will from Outwad. Obviously, we post about him all the time that he's the best human <laughs> ever. Um, he's pretty wonderful. He's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, and this is, I mean, that's how I met Will. I was basically, I was like, so I've got the situation. I got CrossFit to change. Can we give you money and work with you? Yeah. Um, and all the while I'm saying we, like I don't work for CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you expand on that just a little bit when you say we need to work now that they've changed, we need to do something. What was that something? Like, what did you envision once they made that change that you were going to put action into place, like taking their words and saying, all right, walk the walk. Well, so I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of companies will go out there and try and greenwash stuff or whitewash stuff or queer wash stuff and say, Hey, we care, but then they'll ultimately have policies in place that are in some ways counteract the message. Ultimately, I think brands die when they do that. Um, not just because they miss the opportunity, uh, but because people realize they're full of shit and CrossFit is not full of shit. And I didn't want CrossFit to be full of shit. So for me, the question was, okay, if you're going to put out this tweet and say, we're inclusive for everybody. What does that look like in practice? What does that look like in terms of the messaging that you're putting out? What does that look like in terms of your advertising? What does that look like in terms of who's participating, not only at the CrossFit Games, but in gyms around the country? And so it becomes this much larger branding issue of growing this. If you're going to, if you're going to grow this movement, this CrossFit into doing ultimately what CrossFit can do, you have to A, be genuine about it. So you can't, you have to be somebody that people can trust. But also you have to literally create the opportunity for all of these people who think they're not invited to realize that they are invited. And I think that if you look at a lot of what CrossFit is doing, it's real clear, right? There's they've the adaptive program has gotten huge, all of the stuff on the couch, you know, they're really bringing things in. And so for me as a, you know, I come from a, a marketing background. I don't come from a fitness background. So the question is, are you inviting all of these people in that will help this brand, this concept achieve everything it can achieve, which is, as Greg always likes to say, you know, it's an elegant solution to the world's most vexing problem. And if we're not inviting in the people who need us the most, then we fail. So then what? So then you get involved in Outwad. And what is your thought at that time? Are you thinking like, I just want to help another organization get started? Are you thinking you want to be a part of this full time? Like, how are you seeing this? unravel? You know, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure that I necessarily saw a future with any sort of definition like that. I know that, you know, I was put on this planet, I'm 100% sure, to help people experience joy in their own power, um, and to remove barriers that that stop people from experiencing joy in their own power. Uh, currently, that's with CrossFit and it's it's without WAD. Um, so I didn't necessarily go into this saying, I want a job as a so-and-so with either one of these organizations. I see both CrossFit and Outwad as a really good tool for me to do the thing that I most want to do, which is removing those barriers to joy and power. And I think the thing that is probably a bit surprising to you when you wrote that blog post or when that when all of this kind of blew up, so to speak... You probably didn't expect all of this to happen right away. Uh, no, yeah, I didn't. Well, you know what? I the thing that the thing that has most surprised me at every step is how absolutely present, generous, thoughtful, and compassionate everybody I've talked to at HQ is. Um, and I really and truly say that without exception. And it would be, you know, I don't think anybody thinks that from the outside, you know. So here I was, I was picking this huge fight about trans inclusion. 
And my little fightiness was really met with, hey, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's learn from it. And so I'm not sure that I have ever seen an organization of this size, granted there are not many organizations of this size, turn on a dime like that. And they didn't do it because they were bullied into it. As, you know, as fighty as I am, I'm just a you know, I'm little old me. They did it because they genuinely took in new information and learned something, which right. means they changed from the inside. They didn't change in response to somebody telling them they had to do something. And to me, that means the change is real. Right. Which I love. I love that. And the blog post, by the way, where I was looking it up while you were talking, um, your blog, it's, uh, we can link to it in the show notes, but it, the title was CrossFit, It's Time to Fix Your Ways. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm subtle. Yeah, it's way. great. No, it's, yeah. you're just like, you were very blunt and, and clear and you put bullet points and things that they need to do and steps they need to take. <laughs> and it was great. You know, it's like, I got number one, admit that you made a state mistake. Number two, tell us what you learned. Number three, let Chloe compete. <laughs> number four, support inclusiveness and anti-bullying programs. And with every single point I'm making you guys you have like at least six paragraphs under each one. So it's like, you've really, you really thought this <laughs> out. A bulleted list. So when I say that I come from a, a, a background of marketing and PR, you know that I'm serious. Yeah. Like that, is, that is literally, you know, people pay me hundred dollars, not hundreds of dollars an hour for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that CrossFit got it for free because I, I'm, you know, I love them and I believe in this and I truly, you know, I think we can save the world with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I'm in it for. Yeah. Okay. So you're <laughs> working so you're working with Outwad. <laughs> Things are moving along. You're getting more involved in that. But tell me more about the the climate too at your gym because I just love that this is something that this is not anything new for you. You know, like this yeah, is the no. climate that you've wanted to have at yeah. your gym. And tell every other listeners kind of also what you discussed at the talk with Will at the CrossFit Games when we attended that talk how important it is and what you're seeing in your gym that makes it different. Yeah. Rocket to me, rocket still feels really different from just about any other gym I've been to. And Mm -hmm. I've been to lots of great gyms. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong, but, but so one of the things that we do at rocket, for instance, um, is we don't use gender at all in our gym. And people always think that sounds really hard and confusing, but actually it's, it's not. Uh, So the first thing for us was the elimination of leaderboards. Uh, We've started our gym with leaderboards, just like pretty much every other CrossFit gym out there, I think. And then realized that by having leaderboards, which are inherently divided into male and female, uh, we were excluding people who didn't identify on the gender binary. And also some of our members, you know, who are trans and didn't really know where they belonged. So we took those down. And once we did that, it was just this cascading effect of like looking at all of the other places that gender creeps into a CrossFit gym. And, you know, if it ever felt essential and necessary, we would have left it, but it turns out it's, it's not. So, you know, our bars aren't men's bars and women's bars. They're 45 pound bars and 33 pound bars. You know, we don't have RX at all. We don't use RX in our workouts. And so that was, that's one of the first things that we did was just eliminate gender. Uh, But we also, our coaches are all really well versed and never, ever, ever talking about what bodies look like, for instance. So there's never any discussion. We don't ever talk about losing weight. Uh, We don't ever talk about getting a bikini body or getting six pack abs or looking hot or anything like that. I um, heard you on another interview where, where I guess a member came in because another gym used her as an example. (gasps) Tell the listeners that story. And I was, I was outraged and I was like, this is again, an example of kind of like if you don't 
when you don't know, you don't know. But let's hope that people figure out that really this shouldn't happen. I do like. I feel like some of it is truly accidental, and I'm I'm going to laugh because if if Brian or Jeff listen to this podcast, they're going to hear me talk about concern trolling, which was a term that I brought up to them, and then they were like, "Whoa, what's that?" But this was concern trolling. So we had a member who I absolutely just loved. And she came to us as somebody who society would say needs to lose whatever, a a chunk of weight. And she came to us because the gym she had been going to had used her without her consent in a boosted media post, a picture of her working out with the lines, if she can do it, so can you, which is Uh. so disgusting. It's like, it's just absolutely disgusting. But hey, yay, she found us, which is awesome. But it's also, you know, in talking to her, I was talking to her and she was like literally in tears trying to figure out why she couldn't lose the weight and what was wrong. And I was like, well, what is wrong? Like actually literally tell me what's wrong. And she's like, I don't know. My blood tests are all fine. My heart rate's fine. My, you know, my heart tests are fine. I can run a mile. I can do all these things. And we just can't figure out what's wrong with me. So I was like, um, maybe nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's this just sort of, this is a problem with both the fitness and the medical industry is that we somehow assume that people are supposed to be thin and that if you just try hard enough and are virtuous enough, you're going to have six pack abs and that will make you good enough. And it's just a load of crap. Yeah. Like it's just not even, it's not even kind of true. And yeah. so to have her there, A, because she had been shamed by somebody who probably genuinely thought they were doing something positive. But then also she was there because her doctor kept telling her she had to lose weight, even though by every test, she was in better condition than I was. She could run further faster than me. She could jump higher than I could. She could squat more than I could in relation to body weight, like all of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's broken. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And we talk about that a lot on the podcast. And I think that, you know, we're in a time now where we're realizing that that's, I I still think we're like little babies new at this, in terms of where we are as a society and moving that needle towards saying this is just not something that we need to be concerned about in the sense of like, what you look like to be thin, right? Baseline expectation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think we're the conversations are there and that's great. I think we have a long way to go, but I love that as a gym, that's something you make a rule of because I think in the gym space, it is just so easy to be like diet and exercise and diet. And how's your diet? And Hey guys, go home and have a healthy breakfast. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But I'm also like, what if I want to go have a donut? That's not, you know, would you, would you consider that a healthy breakfast? Um, but you know, like the language about it and I don't want to go down too granular because I know that like, Hey, we're all going to have gray areas, but I think in the space that you're in where you see the difference. Um, I think this, that's just so powerful. Yeah, I totally, I, you know, nutrition is obviously important and we talk about nutrition a lot, but we try to always talk about uh, setting goals in terms of how you want to feel and things you want to do, not in terms of what you want to look like and not in terms of anything that becomes this sort of prison of wishes that you have to live in. Because, you know, if you want to have a donut with your friend, you should have a donut with your friend. Like happiness is a nutrient too. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that came out. I was like, oh, that's good. (laughs) I'm going to use that. Um, And I like the distinction too between diet and nutrition. You know, even just like that, like words matter, even just that subtle shift in your language around it 
you know, really frames it in a different way. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's hugely important because it, it gives you a way to look at food, not in terms of good and bad, but in terms of what does it do for your body, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about food as nutrition and food as fuel. So the job of the job of food is to fuel your body to do things. So you got to make sure you're getting in the fuel that you need, right? And so it's not a like good, bad, right, wrong thing. It's not an, an evil thing. It's not a virtue thing. It's, you know, literally, it's fuel. The other thing I want you to go into a little bit and backing up is just around gender and the language you use around gender. Now, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate because this is uh -huh. a new concept to a lot of people out there that do CrossFit. And Claire and I live in a bubble in Denver where everything that we surround ourselves with is pretty liberal and everyone's, mm -hmm. you know, sees things the way we see, see things, with, which is like everyone's invited at the table. But I just right. know that sadly that isn't everywhere. So I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate with like, sure. with the potential discomfort that some gym members may feel with um, like thinking, well, that could never happen in my gym. Like, what do you, what resistance have you been met with? And how do you suggest people kind of move forward with implementing these things at their gym? Yeah, Rocket's definitely a bubble in terms of we we are so open about what we stand for. We lead with our our politics and our social justice stuff. So the people who come to Rocket are, are like-minded. So we haven't had any specific issues at Rocket, uh, but I certainly see tons of resistance out there in the Right, and all the talks world. that you've done too. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, so there's two ways to approach that. One is understanding when and where gender matters. Um, and then the other is sort of understanding what can you actually do in your gym to make it a place where anybody is welcome. So the first part is understanding understanding the difference between sport and fitness, right? So the CrossFit Games is a sport. It's fair in a sport to have some sort of rules, to have some hypothetically, and it is only hypothetical, uh, level playing field. And we can get into why that's kind of a ridiculous idea. But in a, in a fitness space, in a gym where nobody's going to the games, nobody's careers are dependent on it, there, there's no need for a level playing field at all, right? Everybody's just there to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And so that's part of it is just getting people over it, that the gym is not a competition. Um, if you are so um, damaged inside that it's important to you that you work out, that you fitness better than the person next to you, then honestly, I, I'm sorry, but you have other issues. So, the, so there's that. Um, and I spend a lot of time helping people understand the difference between sport and fitness. Then in terms of practical things that you can do in the gym, besides, you know, eliminate, eliminate gender where you don't need it, help people come up with lists of collective nouns so that they know how to refer to a, a room full of people. I, I've had pretty good luck asking people just straight up when they're uncomfortable, look them straight in the eye and ask them why they care about somebody else's genitals. And as uncomfortable as that can be, it tends to drive the point home that it really doesn't matter. Gets so the point across. Yeah. And it, cause people will get, they'll get real uncomfortable. And I'm like, no, seriously, dude, why do you care what's in that person's underwear? Um, and they can't come up with a good reason. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sort of big picture version is I think people, you know, we've all bought into this idea of a gender binary and that in order to be a real man or in order to be a good woman, I'm going to do these things and that will make me good. That will make me valuable and valid. Um, and, and I will win the great cosmic prize of acceptability. So if suddenly we say, hey, guess what? Only joking. There weren't any rules all along. Ha ha. People, you know, understandably are uncomfortable, not because they have any issue with that person next to them, but because suddenly they don't know how to define themselves, right? And I think that it's okay to acknowledge that that is scary and weird and hard and confusing to people. 
some people manifest that fear in just sort of abject assholery and start calling people names and telling people they can't play. And I, I don't know that there's much you can do for those people. But I have found that the vast majority of people are actually okay with it if you tell them that they're still okay right? You can still define yourself as a man or a woman. Uh, you can still want and desire and work for these goals that you set for yourself. And that's okay. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying that the rest of us might have different ideas about what we want for our own lives. Uh, but when you give us room to be who we are, that inherently says that there's still room for you to be who you are. You know, it's not pie, as has been said. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I can just imagine, I'm just trying to think about like how this would be incorporated either in my gym or gyms I've been in where the quote unquote norm is just like, how would you even begin to approach a gym owner about changing the culture and shifting it in such a way that feels that all are welcome and that when people walk in, they just don't see that this side, that side, this bar, that bar type of mentality. Yeah. I, so I do, I don't know if you know this part, but I, I do inclusive coaching workshops at gyms. Oh, cool. um, oh yeah. And they're super fun. It's a six hour thing. Um, and we go and we just like, you know, I just did one in Oregon where every single coach to this gym came to this gym or came to this workshop. So the gym is totally transforming. But I literally just walk you through in baby steps of like, okay, looking, look at this pictures. If you look at the pictures on your website, uh, your, your website is literally an invitation. And what do people look for when they look at a website? Like literally, what yeah, are they, they looking they for? Look at the pictures. They're looking for themselves. Well, right, but they're looking for themselves, yeah. right? So if, if your website is nothing but super skinny white people with a six pack ad, totally. who are you inviting? Mm -hmm. So from a business perspective, I always tell like gym owners from a business perspective, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of the market. If you want your business to succeed, you damn well better be attracting a bigger market than that. Yeah. I don't know. Did you see the article that I wrote for the CrossFit Journal? No. Um, uh, so I wrote an article for the CrossFit Journal that's also worth looking up. Okay. Um, in which actually I said, uh, the future of CrossFit is not on the podium. It's on the couch. Mm -hmm. And then now there's couches everywhere. So I was like, huh. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. really funny. There I are know. couches everywhere. Alyssa, they're you are just like, they are stealing I, from you left and right. I don't know that they're stealing. Same time, but it was so, yeah, I did sit on that couch. I was like, mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at it from a, from, strictly from a business perspective, this, this gets back to the global brand that is CrossFit, but also to individual gyms, right? Yeah. If you are just going to serve competitors, people who are going to be professional fitnessers, right? How big is that market? It's oh, tiny. So small. Right? Mm -hmm. So small. If you are going to serve all of the people who have health and lifestyle changes that they would like to make in order to be healthier and go off of their meds and sleep better and feel better and live longer and not have to be in a nursing home for as long, how big is that market? Huge. It's huge. So just by definition of a good business, you need to be reaching those people. So that gets us back to what I was saying earlier about looking at everything from the pictures on your website to the words that you use in your ad campaigns, to the way your coaches talk to your members, to things that you say to invite people in. And then once you get them in there, how are you going to keep them in? And it's, you know, when I do this workshop with, you know, coaches and gym owners, I think sometimes people think I'm crazy when it first starts, but by the end, you know, I'm getting emails from people saying, you've changed everything about the way I do this. And it's so much better because once you realize all of this stuff that's baked into our language, that all, it still gets back to like virtuous, good enough, the best. Once you take all that out and create a space where people feel safe and comfortable to push themselves 
to identify their barriers, both physical and psychological, to uh, train their weaknesses, both physical and psychological, suddenly you're changing lives and people are going to get hooked. Like that's actually what keeps them coming back. It's so messed up because the fitness industry, generally speaking, sells beauty as what we're as what we're about, right? Like you'll see ad campaigns saying, get bathing suit ready, get whatever ready. And they're selling beauty and sexiness as this idea. But beauty is just totally, it's the wrong standard. Like it's literally the wrong sales pitch. What we do is about joy and power. It's about, do you feel joy in your body? Do you feel powerful in your body? Because ultimately, people are always going to return to things that make them feel good. So for some people, that's like sex and food and drugs, and it can go down this really bad path. But if we instead create a space where people feel safe and like they belong, and people can get hooked on their own joy and their own power, well, then suddenly, not only do we have more successful businesses, but we've actually saved the world. So it's just completely this obvious virtuous cycle to good business and helping CrossFit become what CrossFit really, really has the potential to be. And just like some minor world saving. Just a little bit. I mean, I don't need a cape or anything, but maybe just like a little cape. Yeah. Or just Just that I could wear under my shirt. Maybe some glitter. Yes. Glitter. And you have purple hair. So that's even better. I do. Yeah. So you may not know this, but joy is maybe the world's biggest advocate for casual glitter eyeliner i am for like everyday wear oh so you guys could really start be starting something here it's kind of a fancy day when i shower but if i ever actually you know get dressed up i'm gonna i'm gonna do glitter yeah yeah what's your favorite one joy everyone always asks it is the urban decay glitter liner and then stila also has a really great glitter liner i feel like such a good friend for knowing your preferred brand i I feel so honored Mm -hmm. you're like urban decay (laughs) okay go to brand Okay, so when you walk into a room to start telling people about these things, assuming that this is not a room that you've been invited into, you walk oh. in, <laughs> you are, you know, a straight, mostly able-bodied mm-hmm. white woman who, I thinking from my own perspective here as a straight, able-bodied white woman, a lot of times I feel like I'm not the person to walk into the room and say, hey, you should change your practices around this because what you're doing is not right. And, you know, I'm I'm waiting for someone to go, well, who are you to say that? So do you ever feel that way? Or, you know, I like once you hear your backstory, obviously the, the, you know, it starts to become a little more clear where, you know, what, where you're coming from and all this, but what is your advice, I guess, to get past that? Or do you ever feel that way? And, you know, how, how do you tackle that? There's a, a whole lot of stuff wrapped up in there. The first answer is yes, I have imposter syndrome all the time. But I, I do push pa- past that. And I think there's a, a couple things. Uh, one, the the function and primary job of privilege is to make sure that other people have privilege also. Um, and that I use my privilege to point out places where we need to raise other people up. I would never, ever, ever speak over or instead of somebody who actually was being excluded. And so it's really like it's really important to Will and I when we do the don't be an asshole tour. I'm there just as a gym owner. That is my only voice. There is always a trans person on that panel who can speak to what it's like being trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never try and take, you never take their space, never take their voice. So when I speak, I try to speak only from the perspective that I know, and that is as a gym owner or a business owner. And I also often lead with the 
the mistakes that I've made. Because the truth is, you know, the world is going to change because those of us who have power are going to use it to empower other people. Can you say that one more time? I just, I really think that's important. And I want to hear you say it again about how, <laughs> how you use your privilege and what that means. And again, the whole, you're not trying to just say that again, because I like my, my mind spinning a little bit. So I think that the, those of us who have power and privilege also have the responsibility to use that power and privilege in order to make sure that everybody else gets power and privilege also. And so for me, that means, you know, only speaking from the perspective that I actually have. In my case, that's a gym owner, Mm -hmm. a coach, a business owner. I don't ever speak on behalf of or instead of a trans person. Mm -hmm. So when we do the Don't Be an Asshole tour with the Out Foundation to gyms talking about trans inclusion, there's always a trans person on that panel. And you will never see Will or I speak over that person, nor will you hear us try to explain what it means to be trans when there's a trans person in the room to do it. At the same time, because I have that power and privilege, if I'm in a room full of people and there isn't somebody else who should be speaking up, uh, then I am very, very quick to speak up because that's, that is my job as a person with privilege. Okay. That, that helps me so much because I think there's times where I'm like, when do I speak up? I feel, I feel like a hypocrite if I do speak up here that you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm privileged, but I'm going to speak up. And everyone's like, yeah, but you're, you're in the way. Like, it just feels so complicated sometimes to be, to be an advocate and an ally um, and to know when to speak up. So that just helps me so much to kind of conceptualize that. Well, and yeah, for like, me, like I always get in this mind cycle of like, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I'm hypersensitive about going into the realm of like, what do they call it? Like saviorism. White knights. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to, you know, be, be like, oh, you know, I'm here to save the day and have people be like, sit down, you know, yeah. like, and I mean, I would rather, I guess, have that experience of being told that I'm overstepping in a sit down than to not do anything. But at, I think that's really what holds, what tends to hold me back from being well, so that I, outspoken person. Yeah, I think you need to literally like look at the room, read the room. Like, is there anybody else there who's more, who's closer to the issue at hand? So just because we've been talking about trans athletes, is there a trans athlete on hand who wants to speak? And that's that's hugely important also that it's some if it's something that they want to do. Because a lot of times people are really sick of having to explain all of it. So, you know, never, never silence somebody, never speak instead of somebody. If you're creating a platform, make sure that you invite other people onto your platform that you don't do it instead. I worked for a while, like tangentially around this, this guy who's like a male feminist and those absolutely exist. I'm married to one of them. There is such thing as male feminists, but this guy was one of those guys that was like, you know, he would book talks on feminism, but he would never have women on the stage. Like, don't be that guy. But at the same, (laughs) at the same time, like it is, I think it's absolutely essential for those of us who are in these positions of power to like break down those, those walls, you know, and I have made many, many, many mistakes in my years of gym ownership. And I've said things I wish I hadn't said, I've done things I wish I hadn't said, but every single time when you get called out, you have to sit there in it and learn from it. And I often lead with those. Like when I do my workshops, we talk about all the mistakes that I've made, you know, because that is that is what makes me makes it relatable. And what I'm trying to do is teach gym owners how to be inclusive and accessible. And the best way I can do that is by highlighting my own mistakes, because by nature of what I'm doing, I'm already going in there and saying, so you're going to have to change almost everything you know to be true. Mm -hmm. So they're already on the defensive, right? They're already scared. They're already, you know, in that place. 
So I'm going to point highlight myself and all of the mistakes that I've made and all of the things I've done wrong so that they can learn from, you know, learn from me. And that really, it, it actually works quite well. Well, opening up these discussions, I think that's the number one thing that people are afraid of making the mistakes because they're so afraid of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, that they just do nothing. Um, yeah. So that's, I can see where that would be a really good lead for you to share your experiences. But, you know, we, I would always say, you know, be okay to make mistakes and let yourself then learn from the mistake. Because if you come from good intentions and someone says, no, you're not supposed to say or do that, then you go, I didn't know. Okay. I would like, now that you know better, you do better. Right. Well, it's like, did any of us, like any of us who work out, how many of us went into the gym and did a perfect snatch the first time we tried it? Right. You know, my daughter maybe, but nobody else, you know, and it's learning, learning to re we're asking people and not just me and not just in the gym, but kind of the world at large right now is we're asking people to really ditch everything that they thought they knew about bodies and gender and sort of everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's that's really stepping out of people's comfort zone. I would argue that, you know, learning a lift is something pretty concrete as far as like, it's not going to ruin society if someone doesn't do it right. Right. You know, but I think that that is a really big topic to come in. Um, It's really heavy. So what is the response you've gotten from the coaches and the people that you've talked to about this? You know, I think people who bother to talk to me or have already opted in. Like, so I I feel like I've gotten 90% super positive responses. There's a lot of, you know, on some of the Facebook pages that deal with CrossFit and owning gyms and stuff, there's some some pretty bad stuff said. But the truth is, I just don't, I don't focus on those people. There's just not, it, it's it's not worth it to me. Yeah, the comment section and the, the negative stuff, and especially I'm sure around when all of this was going down on with CrossFit, I'm sure the comment section was like the bane of your existence. Oh, it was disgusting. And I would, you know, I would sit there and I'm like, I want to say something, but I, you know, I know better. Like, I, I've been doing this for a while. Like, I know better. I don't say anything. But at the same time, it then created this opportunity for us to go do, you know, to talk to gyms that I literally, you know, I started these inclusive coaching workshops, because enough people reached out to me saying, hey, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I was like, crime, and it'll be easier for me just to create a workshop series. And so that's what I'm doing. And you know, next up, I'll write a book because it's just, it's just easier. And so the, the the sheer number of people who are asking me for advice and how to handle sticky situations and how to teach these things and coach things makes me, it gives me a lot of hope. You know, I think the world is, the world's changing. And if you want to run a successful business, frankly, you got to change with it. Like it's not, you know. No, I totally agree with that. Can you give, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the panel, but since not everyone was lucky enough to go to the CrossFit games like we were, can you give a few things that coaches can start doing now to make their space a more inclusive space? Oh, totally. The, the, the seriously low-hanging fruit on this is uh, stop labeling bars, men's bars, and women's bars. Super simple. They're 45-pound bars and 33-pound bars. I would highly consider revisiting how you use RX in your gyms because RX can be a really alienating thing. Um, it's also a really lousy training tool, and so that's that's one thing to do. One of my favorite things to do in my workshops, and I think any gym could do this, is to just start a running list of collective nouns. Um, And it's super fun, like y'all instead of boys and girls, men and women. So start a big, a big running list in the gym of collective nouns and leave it on the board because by doing that, people are going to start getting used to the idea of, oh, this is what we're doing and this is why. And in our welcome circles, 
every single beginning of every class, we all get in a circle, we give our names, our pronouns, and an answer to whatever the question of the day is. The reason we do that is not because at this point, we are unsure about any of the pronouns of our members, but because it actually normalizes that discussion for them. So that if they're ever in a situation where they need to ask or are asked or could be the person who brings it up, they're comfortable doing it. Um, And those things right there, if all you did was that, you would absolutely change the nature. Oh, and put some sort of signal on the outside of your building, whether it's a pride flag or a trans flag or something that says everybody's welcome here, maybe that tweet, print it out and put it in your window. That sort of sends the signal that people are invited in. Do you know if uh, CrossFit main site programming is... Do they use the language of RX? I haven't been there in a long time, but the last I checked, they still do. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think that's a bad training tool? I'm just curious. Just literally because it's a bad training tool. Because if you, the, the job of our workout is to create an intensity at which your muscles experience optimal stress in order to break down and grow. So if... There's, there's no such thing as a room of women who are all at the same fitness level. Um, so I, I use my sister and I, or my sister, my daughter and I, as an example, my daughter is an elite weightlifter. Uh, she can snatch, I don't know, like 200 pounds. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. I can snatch on a good day, 60 pounds. So if we went in to do a workout and it said, you know, women do 65 pounds. Well, I can't do that. So I'd be doing 50. Um, And if my daughter did 65 pounds, it wouldn't be enough of a workout. So the psychology of it is you've just told me that I'm not good enough and or I'm not a real woman. Um, And you've also set a bar so low for her that she isn't going to progress. And in neither case have we reached the right sort of metabolic stimulus for us to get stronger. If you look at elite weightlifters, which is actually most of the coaching that I do now, I just coach competitive weightlifters. I would never write a workout for them that said, okay, guys do 95 pounds. Instead, I would say, okay, let's do whatever, three sets of five at 85%. And that percent is a much more important, it's a much more important thing. That's really important. Honestly, it's just science. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking about my gym too, and how there's times when I don't know, it's just so interesting to me to watch to even how the male members will see their prescribed weight and kind of have a reaction to whether or not they can do that, or if they can meet it and how that affects their workout, or their ego, or even myself speaking, if I look at a number and go, okay, I guess I'm supposed to do that. And it's that is interesting. I, I, I see where it's kind of maybe going in this range. But even then, I think it kind of sets us up for some interesting reactions and like that competitive piece too. Well, yeah, well, and when you bring in that competitive piece, then you get people who sometimes who, so say I, say I was a competitive person, which I could not be less. Well, I am. So that's why I'm asking too. Cause okay, I'm like, so this really makes me think about my, I know earlier I when you were saying like, you know, if you're the type of person who feels like they need to compete against the person next to them, like you're talking to someone who wants to win the warm up. <laughs> like we joke uh, about it. But <laughs> yeah. okay, so that's, so that's, I mean, I, I will say like, let's, let's have another talk. Like I'm, I know, but like this, here's an example yeah. this morning, I did a workout and I came in like 10 seconds behind someone that I was so, I was like, she's probably like 15 years younger than me. And I was like almost barfing, trying to beat her. Like that's how bad I am. <laughs> and I'm, well, so- I'm almost 42. She's probably 22. <laughs> So I'm 50. So I, I've officially hit the age where there's no more fucks to give. But the, the, so that you brought up another really good problem with RX, though, is that people will push themselves to injury, like they will push themselves too hard, because they believe that they have to like they have to RX it in order totally, to be good enough. Totally, totally, totally. Like, a huge injury risk. So what, what we do, 
people in my gym, I'm sure, are hit, sick of hearing me talk about metabolic pathways, right? But you got three of them. One of them we hit in the super short domain, like, you know, literally Olympic weightlifting under a minute. Boom. Then they've got one that, that, you, that you work when you're in the three to five minute range. And then anything after that is oxidative. And it's, you know, it's the sort of what we think of as classic cardio. So when we introduce a workout, we say, first of all, this is your time domain. Everything is married to this time domain. Your goal is to finish this workout within this time domain. So there's no 20 minute frans, right? There's not even a 10 minute Fran. That is not a thing. And so we nail that out and we say, this is what we're looking for. This is the metabolic response that we're shooting for. And then we say, you're probably going to be working at somewhere between say 50 and 60% of your one rep max, but we're going to warm it up and see, because the test is going to be that you should be able to do seven of them unbroken and not feel like you're going to die. So when we give people those parameters, we're explaining uh, very clearly that this is fitness and not sport. It's not a contest. This is for you to get stronger. And these are the ingredients that you need to know in order to get stronger. But we've also put the power of that back onto that person to listen to their body, respect their body, read their body, and then do something that will make their body stronger. So it becomes real hard to compete against your neighbor when we've set up this whole framework that the only person you are competing with is yourself. And you're doing it because you are going to be happier and stronger. And so that becomes, that's just a gym culture thing. There's no, and you know, there are people to whom I have to say, hey, you can't win the warm up. That's not a thing. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Like that, that's good. That's a huge shift for people. Uh, I'm speaking for myself, like that would be really hard for me to do, but a great challenge, like a great yeah. challenge. <laughs> Well, it's, and I, th I think it's really important. Um, there's actually, I have a thing, a morning chalk. I wrote a thing for morning chalk up that's coming out in, on Saturday, actually about this exact thing, because when we talk about creating inclusive fitness environments, it goes beyond gender and sexual orientation, right? It's like inclusive means everybody's included. And this, how we approach RX and how we approach what makes you a good enough athlete to be here is actually in our programming and the language that we use around it. Because the beauty of CrossFit is that it is infinitely scalable. So there's a huge difference between presenting a workout as chest-to-bar pull-ups versus your hardest pull. Because everybody can do their hardest pull, but not everybody can do a chest-to-bar pull-up. So if you say that the workout is a chest-to-bar pull-up and only one person can do it, then you've told the entire rest of the class that they're not good enough. And that's kind of a crappy way to do it. And I feel like from my perspective, like I, so I have a three and a half year old and a six month old and I haven't done an RX workout since before I got pregnant. So for the first time, so, you know, we're talking, <laughs> it's been four and a half years really since I've done a, an RX workout, which is over half the time that I've been doing CrossFit. And so for me, I am already on the other side of this, of like every single workout that I've done, the whole second half of the time I've been doing CrossFit has been so modified that I don't even there's no one else in the class for me to compare myself to at all. That's kind of liberating. It's awesome. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I'm not here to compete with the person next to me or with anybody. I'm just here to like get a workout in and make some friends and go home. Totally. And yeah. And once I, and I mean, like for me, you know, I went, I had to go through a pregnancy to have that mindset shift. And I think like there, it, it was a gift in that way to be forced to like, Hey, you physically cannot do this. And if you do, there will be serious consequences. And it was like, okay, well then my choices are, you know, be butt hurt for the rest of my life and just go home or use a dumbbell or whatever. Right. And, you know, do a step up, use a band, all of the above. And it is, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend stopping, you know, just like getting to the point where 
your workout is the it's same stimulus. You. You're getting yeah. the same type of thing out, but like you're not, look, you can't even look around. It's, it's irrelevant. No, it's, this is, your body is about you, period. Yeah. End of statement. Yeah. Okay. So my last big question that we got to wrap up is I feel like there's a lot of outreach that CrossFit is trying to do into, you know, those communities that really need this. And I remember talking to Greg about this around this time last year where he was like, listen, every single person who's in a CrossFit gym right now, or the majority of them, they're not the target audience because really these are the people who would have been fit no matter what. Most of the people who are in the CrossFit gym right now, whether or not they were doing CrossFit, they would, you know, if CrossFit never existed, they would still be out there going for runs, you know, doing orange theory. Like they, we, we all would have found something else because we're self-motivated. This thing and stuff is important to us. We're not sick. Right. The people that really need it are the people who do feel excluded from their communities, are the people who are facing chronic illnesses, et cetera, et cetera. My not like problem with that, but like the thing that the the obstacle that I see, and I think that probably most people who are really in the CrossFit world see is like those people are afraid of CrossFit. We sure are. So what do we do? I spend so much time saying, let's build bridges. We need to build bridges. Well, you know, if I were in charge of CrossFit, which I'm not, um, I would be bringing social media back exactly for that reason. Uh, uh, that's yeah, a whole I, I work in marketing, like my, that's my whole life. I do all, all marketing all the time. So I, I definitely, you know, hear you yeah. on a lot of these things you've been saying. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here, like when they got rid of their social media, it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I will tell you, so I, I, I have no idea if Jeff and Brian or Greg and Brian are going to listen to this, but um, when, oh, when this we'll ha- send it to them, <laughs> if, we, if we both send it to them, one of them is going to listen. I, I mean, again, I, I mean, I, I love, I mean, I truly love Brian and I tell him this, so it's not going to come as a surprise to him. But the day that they did that, like Brian and I were on the phone a bunch and I was like yelling. I was literally yelling and swearing. And I was like, what's going on? And my husband, who's a firefighter, came home from work. He'd been on duty. Um, so, you know, he hadn't slept in 24 hours, whatever comes home from work and I'm pacing. I'm like in the living room on the phone, pacing and swearing up a blue streak. Um, and he just looks at me, he's like, Brian, I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, a lot of the answer to me of how do we fix that is you have to literally physically outreach to people. And I think that getting rid of social media was just a catastrophic error on that front, because that's how you, that is how you reach people in the 21st century. Taking that away made this definitively yelling into a silo. It is the, the definitive echo chamber. So that's what I would do. Now, I can tell you what Rocket does, because I think this is the, I think it's a replicable model at any scale, which is that we actively, what we use our social media for is to literally combat all those messages that say you're not welcome, that say you're not good enough. So we post pictures of people of all shapes and sizes and ages and abilities. We post articles about how being obsessed with fat, with body fat is not healthy. We post articles about body image. You know, I wrote about body positivity for Glamour magazine, you know, so it's like, so we're using it and putting out all those messages. But the art of building bridges, literally, you build bridges with words and pictures. And if you're in marketing, you know that. And so I think that every, you know, it's incumbent on every gym owner out there to do that work. 
um, to stop just posting pictures of things that look like Pukey the Clown, to stop posting pictures of just skinny white people with six-pack abs saying, this is what we do, because that's not what we do. That's not what any of us do. It's up to us to actually tell the accurate story of what CrossFit can do and who CrossFit can do it for. And the answer is we can save lives and we can do it for anybody who walks through the door. We have to wrap up, but Alyssa, I swear to God, we have to do another episode because I so bad this hour wanted to ask you about the whole dress code thing from one of those from one of the gyms when that whole thing hit the fan. I'll talk to you guys anytime. Oh my gosh. I'm serious. I'm like, we need to do another hour. To be honest though, right now my house is storming so bad. I'm like, the power's gonna go out. I just know it. But guys in Denver, you know, I know stuck in Denver because she couldn't come to the games because of Denver. Yeah. Denver had some crazy storms over the past couple months to, um, to where people's flights got canceled just because of all the lightning. But anyway, I've just been sitting here the whole hour where I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely want to ask her this question, but we are absolutely out of time. So we definitely need to do a part two. Tell the listeners where to find you, where to find your gym website. And I highly recommend your, the listeners follow your guys's Facebook page because you do post some really great things there too. So give them all the socials. Cool. So we are uh, Rocket CrossFit in Seattle, Washington. And I believe that all of our socials are just Rocket CrossFit. Facebook, I think is Rocket CrossFit Seattle because there is a fake Ro- Rocket CrossFit page um, that they won't take down. But ours is Rocket CrossFit Seattle. And if it's filled with body positivity, that's us. If it's filled with super skinny white people selling you diet pills, that's the fake page. And we're on Instagram. We don't do anything on Twitter. Who did your logo? I love it. Isn't it beautiful? That's uh, my friend Janita. She does all of our graphic work. Yeah. Really great. Really great. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface of all the stuff we needed to talk about. So we're going to have to have you back like 20 more times if that's okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Visit us, girlsgonewildpodcast.com. You can support us by clicking the support link with all of our sponsors on there. And that's it for this week. Bye. Hey, Joy. Uh, so a lot has gone down since we spoke the other day. Uh, Jeff resigned. That's kind of news. So I just wanted to give you my own super quick take before you go to the air with this. I'm hearing a lot of talk that Jeff was just a figurehead or that HQ is somehow going down the tubes, all of which is, of course, total nonsense. So look, I I worked in the trenches with Jeff and Brian around some pretty specific projects, and it's really important to me on a personal level to be clear about what I saw. Jeff was not a figurehead. I'm actually sad that he's gone, though I think it's a good thing, because I think the company is heading in a new direction that he helped usher in. He pushed through some really big changes that really matter. And more than that, on the inclusivity issues, he really went to bat in a way that I think it's important to recognize, like forever. But more than that, HQ is totally not in chaos. It is the very same leadership that brought us to where we are that is still in place, and they are still working hard to change the world. The company's changing, but I think it's changing in the way that it needs to. I have more faith than ever at this point, and I think that they should all be commended. And maybe just on a personal note, as a a woman who's outspoken and trying to create change, Greg, Brian, and Jeff are the only people besides my husband who have never asked me to be smaller, quieter, or less than I am. For that, I love all three of them. The truth is, I think the company is in excellent hands and on a much clearer path.